0: Did you know a turkey puppet once ran for the presidency of Ireland? Did you know that meat once rained from the skies of Kentucky? Did you know that there was an emperor of the United States for a while? Then listen to the Wiki Ship Down podcast.
1: We live in an age when the sum total of humanity's knowledge can be found in your pocket on a smartphone at any given time. But when that knowledge is peer editable, like it is on Wikipedia, what does that say about mankind? So follow us down the digital rabbit hole as we drink, joke, and curse our way through the random button on Wikipedia and see where our journey through humanity's knowledge takes us.
0: While you're at it, follow us on all social media at Wikiship Down. I'm Ruth Ann.
1: I'm Ryan. And be sure to find us every Wednesday on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
0: All right, um, we're rolling. That's
1: terrifying. Now there's so much pressure and, like...
0: Gonna count us down. I'm
1: underdressed, and you aged several decades in 30 seconds, and I don't know what that's about. That's pretty scary. I don't want to catch that.
0: Oh, you're gonna catch it when I count us down. Three, two... You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J. Let's start the show. Hey guys, welcome to Missing Out. I'm Tari J. I'm Lex Michael
1: and my dashing manner and bold swagger cannot quite conceal the haunted look in my eyes.
0: Ooh, I don't know what that means. That's, that's Phoebus, man. When
1: Phoebus shows up, they're like, yo, it's Phoebus. He's tough, but he's troubled.
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I got you, I got you. Um, <laughs> uh, um, uh, <laughs> I'm stuck, I'm stuck on it. Off, um, to, a, off to an auspicious start. But uh, as Lex Michael alluded to, we're going to be covering *Hunchback of Notre Dame*, uh, the musical. Yes, not the animated Disney film from the mid-90s. mid '90s. Correct.
1: To, when was that? Like not, it was like mid to late '90s, wasn't it? Uh, that was yes. post '95.
0: I want to. Yes, definitely post '95, pre 1999. Um, I only 90, know 98 that '98 feels right. Yeah, '98 feels. Right. I only know that because the Berlin version of the musical came out in '99, which was t- which took the. Uh, Disney versions of the musical, uh, like in terms of the songs, and uh, made their own translated cohesive version, which in turn became what we're talking about today. Yes, I'm Um, glad that
1: you're vamping while I'm over here doing the homework I should have done before sitting down. Uh, 96 was
0: the uh, animated Disney film. Okay. Um, And so this musical takes elements from the 96 musical or the 96 movie and the uh, original book and combines them beautifully into one cohesive musical
1: yeah it really is more of an it is more of an adaptation of the original Victor Hugo story but with some of the Disney songs slapped onto it right Um, which does work surprisingly well though the it the Victor Hugo story and thus these adaptations we drop a couple of the more whimsical elements and we add a couple really upsetting elements uh so I'm wondering what it was like for kids like parents who brought their kids to the Hunchback of Notre Dame musical not not knowing that the book's ending is more in line with Victor Hugo's ending because like this ending's it's pretty rough.
0: Yeah. Pretty but we'll rough. get there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We'll get there. But uh, I just wonder,
1: like, how many kids, how many kids cried? <laughs> how I many mean, kids were not
0: ready? Well, two, uh, none of them. The kids ain't ready. The, the kids are all right. Um, but I didn't realize, too, like, this is a pretty recent, this is very recent. I mean, this cast recording was what, from, from 2017? Uh, Uh, Actually, 2015. 2015. Okay. 2015. Um, They had started the original run in 2014 uh, in Loyola. Loyola, um, And then they moved out to, uh, no, in San Diego. Then moved out to La Jolla um, out in New Jersey, hoping to get a run on Broadway. But then uh, once it turned out that they weren't going to be on Broadway, right. um right they They never right
1: they never went to broadway
0: yeah right which is a bummer because it it it, i feel like if it would have gone it would would still be running to this moment
1: you'd think just for the disney connection alone like that would be a seller
0: yeah uh and it's also so good well it is good, Uh, right
1: but even if it wasn't as good as it is i feel like just the fact that it's got some of the disney songs in it would have been enough to push some tickets then again if, if if it was ostensibly a family show in the eyes of some people right. and all of the families went completely unprepared. It may be a great show, but it's like, you can't, you, you can really, if you take your kids, you got to leave an intermission. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that might've, that might've hampered it ever so slightly. A also little bit. really quick. Um, so the, maybe it was recorded in 2015. All right. So like the, my, old, my old device here, when I look it up in the little device music catalog it says 2016. And I thought I read could be wrong about this but i thought i read when i was doing a little bit of reading on uh the the production and the, the cast album yeah. i thought that i read that it was the album that uh on on the billboard charts specifically in terms of cast recordings yeah was the album that finally supplanted hamilton as number one
0: uh yes i know that its peak position for cast recordings did hit number one and that was at least a year after or yes a year after hamilton had um released, if I remember correctly, in terms of time timescales. Um, so, yes, all of those things are true. Cool. All right. Now I've, I've established a timeline in
1: my head that I'm sure I will have forgotten about in about five minutes.
0: Yeah, totally. Um, before we get too deep into this, I want to make sure that I let everyone know to subscribe, um, to... The show on iTunes and oh yeah, Google also Play stores. Blah 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 blah. Retrospective. That's introspective. Yes, yes. So you, you guys, do, I was gonna do all that.
1: Okay, you guys, you guys, you guys know what's up. But if you guys don't know what's up, Tar is gonna do all that. That was like our cold open.
0: Yeah, I like it. That was good. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um. Yes. We what we do here. If you don't know, we talk about things that we're into, uh, things that help build us as people. Uh, we share them with you and each other, hope that. Uh, they build you as people where the retrospective that's introspective Like I said, make blah, sure blah, that blah, you, blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. retrospective, uh, introspective <laughs> <laughs> Make sure that you Follow us on Twitter to know the things that we're talking about From week to week um, uh, It is at Missing Outcast M-I-S-S-I-N-G-O-U-T-C-A-S-T <laughs> uh, So now that that's out of the way I recommended this to Lex Michael You did, he and I'm had,
1: wondering I'm wondering, I'm wondering I have some questions about the, about the things Ooh. that I wonder
0: Okay, well Um I actually had recommended this probably about two years ago. To me? Um, Yes. So when we were were doing a show together... I don't remember um, shit we recorded a week ago. I know. um, (laughs) But still, so... (laughs) I just got to call you out, bro. All right, let's 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 do it. Take me back. Take, uh-huh.
1: take me in the audience
0: back. Let's do some theater of the mind. All right. Two years ago. Two years ago, we were at After Buzz TV. Oh, yeah. We were getting ready to do a show. I want to say it was Arrow. It would, I would think um, it would have to be two years and ago. And I was super into this album. Um, And I said, Lex, you like musicals, right? And I was prob- probably like, I do. Yeah. And I was like, oh, dude, you got to hear this. Hunchback of Notre Dame musical. It's so good. It's very, oh man, it's the best. And what you said to me was, if it doesn't have the person doing that high note at the beginning of Bells of Notre Dame, I don't want to waste my time. And it it does. It it turns out it only took
1: me a couple of years (laughs) to figure it out, but it does. I, In fairness, I stand by this. If I listened to, if you recommended it to me and I was like, all right, let's do it. I like Hunchback, sure. And I got to the end of Bells of Notre Dame and they didn't hit that high note. I would have been like, bullshit. I'm only talking about this track and how it sucks. (laughs) Well, luckily it was there. No, it was very much there. It was it was it was I mean, like that note, if you if you are familiar with uh, a- any musical version of Hunchback of Notre Dame, whether it's the version we're discussing today or, of course, the uh, the original animated Disney version uh, with uh, with music by uh, Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz, who also came back and, and added songs for this version. Yeah, Um. You, you know, this song and you know how sublime that high note at the end of that song is because he's just belts that big high note and sustains it.
0: It's impressive shit oh yeah um so now here we are uh i, I recommended it that last last week because that's how time works um mostly because i had recently gotten back into it um it came on my spotify and i have very specific songs that i really enjoy um didn't you at a
1: certain point i want to say i saw you on social media or something didn't you at a certain point kind of fall back into musicals a little bit like i remember vaguely seeing you asking for recommendations this could also have been two years ago but i <laughs> vaguely remember this
0: um i was m- yes because i had gotten into what i call the three h's um hunchback dr jacqueline mr hyde and hamilton and i was looking for Shh. no it's it's interesting to me i feel like i feel like well This is
1: not a, I guess this is not profound or all that insightful. I feel like Hunchback and Jekyll and Hyde definitely share more in common than Hamilton does with either. But I think everybody was into at
0: least the one H for,
1: for at least a year.
0: Right. Yeah. Uh, And so I was looking for more stuff in that vein, um, which like, I found some stuff. Scarlet Pimpernel, who is. I want to say by the same uh, person who did uh, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. At at a certain point,
1: somebody recommended the Scarlet Pimpernel
0: musical to me, and I don't think I ever got around to hearing it. Um, I've heard a few tracks, and it's really good. Um, Or at least the tracks that I had heard. Um, Because the same dude who does, and I'm really bad with names, so same dude who did Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde also did the Death Note musical. Um, there is, and right, so it's, a Death Note musical. it's. I was gonna. I was actually gonna recommend that one, but it's harder to find, um, and I think it's less accessible for you since you're not. You haven't seen the series. I will say a lot of sidebar. I will say a lot of
1: Death Note fans. If you tell them you've only seen the Netflix movie, will recoil and possibly vomit on themselves. Yeah. Uh, however. I thought it was all right. I I would say I'm actually significantly more likely to go
0: watch the original Death Note because I've seen the movie and I went,
1: oh, okay, there's something interesting here.
0: Yeah, um, it's great. Maybe that'll be my next uh, that'll be my next recommendation. But I, I'll make you watch the first season, so I'll give you a little more time. How long is the first season? It's like I don't know. Let's say it's twenty episodes. How long are they? Just like you know, twenty minutes each. Crap. Don't call my name in vain. It's a lot um, of anime. So, hey, that's so much um, anime. <laughs> All right, but so Hunchback hunch of um, va- Anime Land. Yes, um, but yeah. So I recently got back into it uh, just because there are so many songs on this album, especially like when you get to the second half that uh, are so powerful and so moving that uh, it came on my Spotify, and I was like, I gotta, I gotta just listen to it again and then i had to share it with lex so i had a reason to talk about it right um and so this is your first time hearing it were you also were you a fan of the disney version or did you ever read the book or? i was
1: i've not read the original victor hugo novel but i was exactly the right age for that entire wave of of 90s disney animated musicals that are now considered to be like classics in their catalog yeah everything from like I want to say beauty and the beast through what Mulan was 99, I think.
0: Yeah. I believe so. Give or
1: takes like everything throughout the nineties, like all of those. Yeah. Like that, like so many, uh, members of our generation that they were
0: very much my jam at the time. The like Disney second renaissance. Um, when you had, I forget their names, but like the two main guys who are, who did, who produced like, uh, beauty and the beast and, and, uh, all the way through Treasure Planet, which was, like, the first misstep in that chain. That's right. Um, Yeah. They, like, made those movies just so that they could make Treasure Planet. Was Atlantis theirs, too? Um, I believe— Or is that Fox or somebody else? Atlantis was Disney. Um, I don't think that they had made it, though. But I want to say it, it was like in the same vein. like it was a fir- it was when Disney was exploring uh, 2D animation mixed with 3D animation yeah. um, which was like the beginning of the descent of the Renaissance. Is Renaissance
1: is No, I'm thinking of Titan AE. Titan AE, which is dope.
0: Yeah, i uh, sorry,
1: I thought I was thinking of Treasure Planet. I was thinking of Titan AE.
0: Oh, okay. Treasure Planet is the one with jo- Joseph Gordon levitt and uh, it's Treasure Island, but in space. Um, go on. Have you oh um so basically uh, I've never I've never seen Treasure Island, so I don't know much I of saw the, the Muppets comparison do it. Um, once. so no no Tim Curry, um I'm out. none of those people. Mount <laughs> oh, no, you lost me. Um, but like, yeah, basically it's about it? this kid. Um, yeah, 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 he makes a, a small cameo. All right, I'm you got to watch it all the way through. Does, to he see got it, does he got the pirate hat and the wig on? Totally done. Well, not yeah. the pirate hat, the captain's
1: hat. Right. Yeah. No, I got you. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, I'm in. I'm in. If 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 Kermit as Captain Smollett puts in a cameo, I'm down. <laughs> I'm done. You got me back. You lost me with the no Tim Curry, but you got me back with the Kermit. Good.
0: Good. 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 What? Okay. So it's Treasure uh, Island in space. Great. Yes, Treasure Island in space. Um, so yeah, they made all of those movies. Um, and I think also in this one as well. So, yeah, it was uh, it was John Musker and Ron Clements who uh, they didn't actually work on, uh, on uh, Beauty and the Beast. Forgive me, but they all but they did do like Great Mouse Detective, Little Mermaid, Aladdin, Hercules and then Treasure Planet. Great
1: Mouse Detective is a movie I have not thought about in quite some time. And I remember it being dope as hell
0: um yeah it's pretty dope
1: yo radigan Um, bro
0: radigan (laughs) coming (laughs) back to haunt your dreams um they also did princess and the frog and moana so
1: you know i've still not seen princess and the frog
0: um it's it's interesting there are a lot of good songs um story is fine um so it's like moana oh damn blasphemy no i I think no here's the
1: thing right i think the story of moana is fine i think the songs are so good that it just elevates the entire movie several notches. Right. It's also gorgeous to look at. Oh yeah, it's a super well-done movie. This is not me throwing shade at Moana. Moana is a gem. It's just I think I think the additional elements are what really elevates it more than the plot. Got
0: it. Um but yeah, so uh anyway, so Hunchback. Yes. Um we so yeah, so you basically grew up in the in the age with all those the during the the Disney second renaissance before treasure planet and uh everything after treasure planet you were like fuck it I I don't don't
1: care about it I was young enough to really be fucked up when Mufasa died (laughs) um oh man like if that if that helps just for like just to place it in my personal timeline like I was young enough to be really messed up about
0: it right um I feel like when Mufasa died I was more like Killmonger where I was like everybody dies
1: I'm going to burn it all. <laughs> it's like, wow, you made a crazy leap just there. I don't even know what you're referring to burning. Me? Please don't.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Um, I actually wasn't into Hunchback of... I hadn't seen it until like three years ago, maybe four years ago. Okay. Um, I Well, maybe that's not true. I remember I had seen all the making ofs but I'd never seen the movie as a whole. So then you have seen it way more recently than I have. I don't,
1: honestly, if I, I'd be shocked if I've seen it in the last 15 years. Yeah. Um, Doesn't, doesn't, I know the ending is, is different in a number of ways.
0: Doesn't the church come to life or something and kill the bad guy? Um, sort of. Uh, the, he, he's like backing up and then the gargoyles, basically trip him into falling over into the fire wait
1: the like whimsical sidekick singing gargoyles yeah kill him
0: yeah that's dark like i mean he kills himself great. in a way like all D- disney villains do they like it's find like, a hey, way to kill I themselves stuck out
1: my leg and you tripped over it and landed in the hellfire and uh, you didn't have to walk there so obviously this is
0: on you right well he was also well hold on he was he was chasing esmeralda Like and he so like she was climbing along the building and then he was hanging and and uh fell. Now I'm remembering. Okay. So it it was definitely like, oh man, if he hadn't been chasing this girl because of his raging boner, he he wouldn't have fell into the hellfire, which he also started. Um so that's that's the the deal with this one. I will say, like, Frollo is a dick, but
1: Really complex, like a very complex character, and really compelling, but also a monstrous dick.
0: Yes, um, that's what uh I really liked about the musical, in that like they actually give a backstory to Frollo. So in the Disney movie, he was mostly just this really hateful, xen- xenophobic dude who was like, "We just have to kill all the gypsies." Um, he said it just like that. Yeah. Uh, Tony J. By the way, R.I.P. Um, did a a wonderful job with that character. Yeah. Um, and managed to make him very menacing and his singing voice is great. Um, but the musical, you, you find out that like he had this brother who was in his eyes swayed away by the gypsies. Um, and you, I like that they also add the fact, or I guess the component of, um, Quasimodo being related to him
1: right like Quasimodo in this in this version of the story is his nephew right it's his brother Jahan's baby and when Jahan and his wife both die he entrusts the baby to Frollo, uh, not for nothing, I know that Frollo's his brother, but can you imagine not having anybody else in your life to give your baby to except that asshole? Oh, yeah. Uh, but also, right, in the Disney movie, Quasimodo's just a baby, like, it's just a baby in a basket,
0: right, that gets left yeah. on the doorstep? Well, sort of. Um, Frollo causes his mom to fall on stairs. That's right. She dies That's so right, he, yeah. Okay, okay. I mean, so, it was dark. It was very but, dark, but just a different a different but, arrangement of elements. Right. Um, so that's what I really like about the Frollo in this one.
1: And it makes him more human because
0: the Frollo in the movie, again, you've seen it far more
1: recently than I have, but just based on what I remember, right? The Frollo in the movie, there is a certain complexity to him, but there's nothing that connects him to humanity in the way that having a brother he lost and choosing to, even though he's a monster about it, uh, choosing to take responsibility for this child because of his departed brother. I feel like it connects him to humanity and the world in a way that the Disney movie didn't necessarily feature. Right. Having said that, he's still a massive dick about all of it.
0: Yes. I mean, and that is, that is his character in that, like, I think it, In a way, this colors it to be that the more his brother acted out, the more he felt like he had to be more like pious and holier than thou, because there was an obligation for him, at least because they were orphans and because they had essentially been taken in by Notre Dame. There was a kind of an obligation to them to to like pay back Notre Dame for its kindness. And so if uh, Jahan wasn't going to do that, then he had to do it for the both of them.
1: They do, man. They're, they're all hyper fixated on, on this place. Like when we meet them, they're saying Notre Dame at the end of pretty much every sentence. <laughs> like they got, they're very fixed. They got one track minds essentially. Yeah. But Jahan is swayed by, by pretty ladies.
0: Hell yeah. He turns his back, turns um. his
1: back on Notre Dame and Frollo's like, bitch.
0: Damn. Damn. Speaking of Notre Dame, uh, since you had mentioned the fixation with it, there's a really great, um, a, a great video essay by Lindsay Ellis, which I would love to. I I'll probably be tweeting out I later. I
1: Just relatively recently got into her stuff, and I'm almost excited that it took me so long because there's a back catalog of shit now. Oh yeah, like she she's smart.
0: No, she's amazing. She, she, she very smart. I'm very glad that she was able to forge her own path. Like she used to be part of the like channel awesome group and she was like nostalgia chick where she was forced to do stuff that she wasn't really into. Yeah. And now she's able to kind of take all the knowledge and skills and, and, and do her own style. And she has a following and she, her video essays are fantastically done. Um, and she did one about Notre Dame, comparing the book and, and what its purpose was and the way that people see it. And she was talking about how the book in, it, in, its, in its essence was supposed to be just a, it was a love story to Notre Dame itself. And it was supposed to show how all of the human quabbles that go on inside of it are pretty much insignificant to the longevity of this, this longstanding building.
1: Interesting. Yeah. Okay, some of that sort of got lost for me, but I get like it's there, right? At least in the way that these two characters approach the institution, right? And also, I mean, yeah, everything, like everything significant involving Quasimodo, of course, because that's his that's his little home base. Like it's all within the walls of this place, and like yeah, yeah that place. Spoilers: a- almost everyone dies at the end of this story, and yet that place, <laughs> that place still still stands like right like like you're saying like it's all compared to this institution and what it represents all of these these petty human foibles are are uh, but pittances
0: yeah um so notre dame will always it'll always be there no matter if you are or you aren't um, I mean, until the human race obliterates itself. But then
1: again, for all we know, it's just going to be Notre Dame and the cockroaches after the bombs drop. That's true.
0: Um, <laughs> the cockroach of Notre Dame. <laughs> Bing! I would love uh, to see a bunch of cockroaches pulling them ropes and uh, and dinging it along. Oh, man. Quasimodo so
1: awoke one morning to discover he had been transformed into a giant cockroach. <laughs>
0: Gross. Um, so, yes. Um, another thing that I really like. So, I... You're not even like... You're not even proud of my Kafka references. I'm I trying to add a little class and culture to this shit. Do you, do you want to... <laughs> I, I mostly, like, skipped over it because... I'm not a I'm not a, a familiar with Kafka too much honestly so, it's
1: it's fine because like if you were you'd be calling me out right now for making the most obvious Kafka reference that anybody could make
0: nah man to me you you're original and smart you I don't uh, yeah like oh dude. Tell me more about Kafka. Ooh. Well, alright. Ooh uh, damn. Since since Ooh. since
1: you're buying so fully into my intelligence, let me tell you about the time I wrote The Metamorphosis and some fucker took credit for it. Oh.
0: I don't want to hear about it. <laughs> <laughs> I am Gregor Samsa. All right, what's up? But um so uh, I had you listen to the uh original like cast recording but not the um, original original because the original sorry, is the original German. is in German but the original in that like the original cast for the English version yes their cast recording um which is available on Spotify Spotify and Apple, Apple TV, music or, or Apple music and all the things um but also uh I had the I had the chance to see this live in a uh I want to say it's Tarzana I forget which where the the theater was um so i had the chance to see it live and i also found a recording of it on youtube
1: sure whatever you
0: didn't record the whole show it's out there go buy
1: a ticket for the actual production if you can't because here's my thing with film stage productions is, to me, unless you know the show, I don't get any value out of them because I feel like the quality is low enough, and you're far enough away from the stage when you're when it's being recorded, yeah. that I don't, I can't see anybody's face. I can't really, I don't get all of the lyrics necessarily because the sound quality isn't that high. Right. So for me, the value there is once I've listened to it. Uh, maybe I've I've gotten to see it live, but once I've listened to it and I've done a little bit of like reading, it's like you can follow along with the plot synopsis and follow the story and then listen to the songs as you're following the story. Then I can go and watch a kind of low quality recording of the live show just because now I know everything that's happening and I can just get a sense of the the staging. Yeah.
0: Um, Yeah, I'm kind of the same way in that I listen to, like when I have the opportunity to listen to the cast recording, I will kind of listen to that. But like, and I'll, I'll seek out a any, like, low-quality recording if I just want context for what's happening. Right. Because you get a lot of different pieces from just seeing it in context. Um, so if I'm craving a little bit more from the things I'm listening to, then I'll, I'll seek it out. Otherwise, I will like go and try to watch it live because it's just nothing like it.
1: Right. Exactly. Like, I don't mean to suggest for a second that the way I just described approaching it is any substitute for purchasing a ticket and going and watching that thing live in a theater. Yeah. Not even close. But, you know, sometimes the Hunchback of Notre Dame is not being performed live in your area.
0: Yeah. So you make do. Uh, true, because I don't think it's running right now. Like, I was lucky enough to see just, like, a short run uh, about a year, a year and a half ago. Um, and I I really liked, because before, I, I liked the way that they'd used the stage just in the, the one that I had seen, just, or the one I had seen that's online, which, with the original cast, which is nice. Like, here are the things that I really like about it. Um, I really like uh, how they use the the area that they have basically it is a just a plain uh stage area and they have two tiers um and a lot of the tiers are basically where the orchestra or not the orchestra but like the um like the choir will hang out so you'll get rows top and bottom of the choir so far i'm just picturing the set for rent uh, yeah, it's just like rent. Um there are gates that they wheel out and people like <laughs> climb the fences. No. Um and then they they man- they have in the background, they have the the main uh circle that is the the big stained glass in Notre Dame. Okay. Um and then they also have uh like the the gate setup like cuz you know when you're entering Notre Dame there are these big giant doors and so they have that set up as well on the main level. Um and then from there they have stairs that they wheel in and out to bring people to and from the top and bottom floors. And they also have a trapdoor in the main middle section so that when you are coming up from the trapdoor, it's like you're going into the top of the tower in Notre Dame. So they they, I imagine, are exhausted by the end of the show because there are a lot of stairs that they have to traverse. Cause like sometimes they'll go down into the door and then come out at the top layer um just because the way that it works is- and they gotta like run they got oh, to yeah. like make their entrance
1: up where they gotta go they gotta be booking it probably and probably up yeah presumably up more stairs behind the set that you right. can't see yeah and then they have to sing like yeah. breath, bre- when you're standing still and haven't been jogging upstairs like breath control for singing like broadway caliber singing yeah that's hard. Oh no, it's when, insane. when you just jogged up a flight of stairs, it's really hard. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm still picturing the set for rent, but now with all of the accoutrement and trickery of the set for Phantom.
0: <laughs> yep, it's just like that. It's just like oh that. Oh my gosh. With a little bit of Moulin Rouge thrown in there. <laughs> um but another really cool thing that they do in the live production is that so instead of doing uh, prosthetics and things for Quasimodo. I was
1: reading about what how they approached it. Yeah, which was essentially right. Like he in the opening number, he essentially makes himself up. Like he has some know, p- makeup like, or whatever on his fingers, and he basically runs them over his face to yeah. create you know quote unquote
0: deformities. Yes. So like basically, you he he'll run it along along just above one of his eyes and just below one of his other cheeks, and uh, from there, you as the audience are to kind of feel it fill in what you find to be the deformities, um, and then. Like, you see him when he first walks out as, like, fully-fledged Quasimodo. You see him walk out as just the regular person, and then he puts on the hump, he puts on the overcoat, mm. um, and then takes the tableau of Quasimodo. And from that point on, he is that character. Um, and it's, it's really interesting, because the way that they do it is, by the, by the end, you get him doing that at the what makes a monster and what makes a man um, and then when they reprise that at the very end, he is taking it off and all of the saints and are they're putting, putting it, it on. It on. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was cool. Um, it's so amazing because especially at that point, because there's this, this moment because it's, it, you assume that he is leaping to his death, like the way that they do it in the, at the end of the book, if you haven't read it, spoiler alert, um, he takes, uh, Esmeralda Dead body because she has already died because of being it's like burned. smoke inhalation, I yeah. think. Um, and he essentially jumps off the side of Notre Dame with her body. Um, there's another version. Isn't it they like go down to the catacombs essentially and he yeah. just
1: stays down there and dies with her body?
0: Yeah. That's Oof. the that's the version that in the, the live Disney performance version, right? I had seen. That's the Disney movie. That's how but, the Disney yeah, movie. Yeah, that's how the Disney you know, movie ends. The Hunchback
1: of Notre Dame two is just one still frame of their skeletons for an hour and a <laughs> half. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'd watch it, um, and it's and it then at the very end of the movie, it does the big like big camera pan up like through the street and up to street level, and Phoebus is just wandering around like hello. <laughs> uh Anyone. um what <laughs> uh well yeah so oh there's an uh, there, so, okay. since we're talking about the way that they approached the character of quasimodo and the depiction of quasimodo yeah. uh, there's an element that i really really liked um and i don't know necessarily that i would have thought as much about it if i wasn't reading about the show as i was listening to the album yeah when other characters are present hmm. He's got this voice, the voice of somebody who's been treated like a wretch their entire life was locked away from people has has some uh, physical uh, uh, deformities. Yes, he, he his voice. Reflect that mm-hmm. but when he is alone and especially when he sings because to him He doesn't see his he's aware of them because he's told to be yeah. but he doesn't see his own deformities the way other people do So I love this idea that when he's alone mm-hmm. and when he's singing he's got a full powerful uh, Affectless voice. Yeah, I really dug that.
0: No, it's it's awesome. Especially w- the way that uh, he's in the cast recording He's played by Michael Arden who um, is able to do this very, like, wretched, hey, mm-hmm. blah, 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 master. But when he is singing, especially the ballads, like, when he gets to, like, Made of Stone and things like that, it is one of the most beautiful voices you've seen. Made of stone is
1: great. That's oh, a
0: yeah. great song. Uh, um, that
1: and, of course, like, Out There, which is in the Disney movie as well. But, right. like, him him doing both numbers. Like, he,
0: ju- I mean, like, to say he kills both of them, I feel like I'm underselling a bit. yeah. Um, there's also an added element. So if you in the live version that I had seen, they actually had Quasimodo played by a deaf actor. Um, yes, and he was he was he was signing, signing the whole time. A lot of it, yeah. Um. And so like the whole the full cast will sign to him, and they have a another character who is kind of one of the, like when he's not being Quasimodo's voice, he's just another one of the saints. But when he is Quasimodo, like he is Quasimodo's singing voice. Right. And so like because they make mention of it in I think the First act or the se- beginning of the second act, that Quasimodo because of the bells is mostly deaf. Right. Yes. Um. And but in this version, he's like completely deaf, and everyone signs with him, and it's it brings in a whole nother element because there's he there's such a a vigor and so much power in him signing these huge emotions that you you feel it in addition to just hearing it. Yeah. Um. And it's amazing. Yeah. Uh. Oh. Guys, I want to see it again right now because it's just it's it, like I think that especially because usually when you're seeing signing um, like it, there's there's a I don't know how. To, I can't tell you how you feel when you see signing, Um, but like there is a lot that is taken in from just body language yeah. and facial expressions and that you get uh, in like tenfold when when he's doing these ballads. Because just the big movements, the the movements themselves have to reach the people in the back. And the the way he uses his face have to be able to hit you no matter where you are in the theater. Yeah. And so uh, just being able to experience that, like it could have even just been that without the additional singing. And you would have gotten everything he's trying to convey. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, so I think that like if you have a chance to see it. With the with Quasimodo being played in a deaf arena, it's fabulous.
1: And I imagine too, there's got to be something so powerful about that characterization, but also watching that that particular performance. Like, yeah, you get you get not not just about like you get everything you need to, but watching watching somebody who has an impediment be able to commit that hard and do the work and and deliver at easily as powerful a performance as anybody else. Then you have because you're watching somebody. You're you're watching somebody essentially like,
0: I don't know how to describe it. Right.
1: You know what I'm talking
0: about. Yeah. I mean, essentially, like someone being able, one being able to portray a character that they are also, they have the same like affect as, uh, is is nice one because representation. Represa- right. I feel like
1: yeah. Like I was I, that that first of all, like I feel like I was gonna stumble through it a little more clunkily than the way you <laughs> just phrased it. But yes.
0: Yeah. Um. But also, That's like how I forgot, there's a whole there's a whole word for that. <laughs> but I mean, they're able to come at it with that experience, um, and they're able to. Because I imagine, like especially living as a, a deaf person in this world, there are moments where they feel invisible, or there are moments where they feel like they can't express what they're trying to. Um, and so, bringing that to that role also adds another layer to it as well. There's not a, it's it's not like Michael Arden who who has the benefit of basically just throwing on the affect and then walking out of the arena um and being like cool I can hear now it's like he car- that the the actor carries that with them on a daily basis and they're able to really show the world what it's like to be that way
1: yes and you're seeing you're seeing truth that you wouldn't be able to see in any other iteration
0: right Um, So that's I think that's what I really also enjoy about this this presentation um, is being able to have moments like that and and, and having truth that uh, you can really you can you can feel and you can you can connect with. There's this element of Quasimodo that like I think I think I personally connect with in that like he is this guy there's there's this element of not like self-hatred but like this feeling that you that no one will ever love you for who you are mm-hmm. um, and be,
1: because you're essentially told your entire life in your formative uh throughout your formative experiences that you are lesser whether yeah. or not whether or not you are explicitly told as such you are treated as such and mm-hmm. over time you begin to internalize it and it does manifest as not you're right you're right like not necessarily self-hatred uh but a a, a General feeling of of overall lack of worth, right? Which there's there
0: is overlap, yeah. Like, and you get you get that song, uh, "Heaven's Light," um, where he's talking about how like he's he's become so fine with the idea that no one will ever love him, right? Um, and then this one day someone just treated him with the like slightest bit of kindness and now he is madly in love with her because of just that little piece of affection
1: yeah there are a lot of emotionally unhealthy men in this story uh but well, that's yes. but that's uh oh i i want to talk about that a little bit. I don't want to like hit it too hard, but like, oh, I'm gonna hit the p- shit out of it. But like, whoa. Uh, but I do like yes, uh, Quasimodo, and it's it's understandable. It's very in character. The psychology of it tracks why he would make such a big leap so quickly. Right, but also. I mean, like, you've heard me talk about—I've talked on this show about why the ending of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 makes me cry as hard as it does. Yeah. Part of it is, like, the the sacrifice of the character we lose, but also part of it is the character of Rocket, who has been so shut off from letting love of others in. Finally, non-verbally, but finally opening himself up to the possibility that he could be loved. And that— that idea in a story if you can contextualize it properly as i believe in hunchback they very much do yeah that man like that hits me right in the gut this this character whose his entire life he has been made to feel like he is a wretch he is lesser he is a monster and no one will ever love him has a moment finally where he goes oh my god i i could possibly be loved yeah. like that holy shit dude that hits me so hard right in the gut
0: oh yeah um, but since you brought up the male thing, uh, yeah. Um, all right.
1: Let's get into, let's get into this. So, <laughs> so obviously right. Frollo right up top. Okay. Yes. All right. Here's what I kept thinking. And I don't know that I'd bring, cause right now this is like a, it's like a hot, hot button, whatever the shit. I don't know that I'd bring this up if it wasn't so prevalently on my mind while I was listening to this album. Yeah. Frollo's an incel. Basically, I
0: just heard
1: I did that term I, today. I heard it relatively recently and I finally looked it up and I looked up what the definition of incel is and Holy shit, it's it's Frollo. I feel like okay So I can I can like if you don't know what I'm talking about I can just really quick uh, illustrate what we're talking about if you don't if you're lucky enough to have avoided these people <laughs> online uh, It is this whole movement. Here we go. Yeah incel Uh, is short for involuntary celibate. It's a person, usually male, who has a horrible personality and treats women like sexual objects, thinks that his lack of a sex life comes from being ugly when really it's just his blatant sexism and terrible attitude. They have little to no self-awareness. Even when they see other quote-unquote ugly men with girlfriends, they consider these men to be tricksters who have somehow beat the system and can get women despite being cursed with unattractiveness. Uh, They believe that women owe them sex, and many of the more extreme incels like to spend time in incel communities on the internet coming up with ways to make women have sex with them, often involving genocide of people of color, genocide of quote-unquote chads, which apparently means men who have sex, taking rights away from women, raping them. Having sex with women's dead bodies and other truly horrid, disgusting stuff, and they can't, they don't, they lack the self-awareness to realize this type of shit is exactly why no one wants anything to do with them. Right. But this is a this is a community, and they are they are actively preying on and hurting people. Yes. I would not have brought this community up at all if I didn't think that this description really aptly
0: fits the character of Frollo. Yes. When so when I Saw the The Hunchback of Notre Dame movie As an adult Like I said It was like a few years ago Um It was actually Right after That guy Had gone into that sorority And killed a bunch of people Um After making his stupid manifesto Which I believe He's
1: a shit Mick
0: Scumface Right So after He had done that I Not So It was shortly after that That I had seen this movie And realized that like Yes That is exactly What Frollo is Where if If someone doesn't want him, then they they may as well be dead. And he literally
1: Um, he very explicitly behaves as though he is entitled to Esmeralda's
0: body. Right, and he he it's weird because he feels that way because he feels himself he views himself as the the most pure pious dude. Um, and I think that like in in the context of the musical, um. It I think it, it relates back to his brother and that like this is what ultimately like led his brother astray and he kind of like is starting to understand that piece of it. In the in the movie, it is mostly he's just like, I'm gonna fuck this girl and she doesn't wanna fuck me, so I'm gonna set her on fire. It is if
1: you just read between the lines ever so slightly, it is still pretty horrid and dark in the disney version yeah and not there the story is aware i feel like the the entire point of the the who is a monster and who is the man is that like quasimodo is far more human than this piece of shit is right um so it's not like it's a lack of awareness but considering
0: it's a disney animated musical that's actually some pretty pretty dark shit oh yeah um and so like you get in this movie you get these three different versions and And also, in the musical, I think it's a lot more explicit in the musical how men can interact with women there's this there's the there the two extremes where you have Frollo on one side where he essentially demands to have this woman as his own and and w- right,
1: exactly like you were saying when he starts to suspect he can't, he immediately goes to
0: then I'm going to kill you right, which is again very
1: very incelish,
0: yeah, and you get. You get Quasimodo on the other side who he doesn't necessarily see uh, Esmeralda as a as an object, but he also but he does idolize her. Yeah, he he, or idealize um, one of those two. It's about Um, it's
1: about what she represents more than it can possibly be about her specifically at that point.
0: Right. And so like neither of these take into account her own desires or her own agency. Um, Whereas like her relationship with Frollo, especially when you see it in, um, in, in the musical, there's, there's a flirtation. They, they're equals. They, they have like a scuffle and, and, and are able to fight on equal ground. Like they essentially are, uh, they're a good match. Um, And so, there's a point uh, at the point at the point where they're singing like someday they're together and 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 they're having this discussion.
1: By the way, someday is pretty heartbreaking too because it's it's a song that's essentially about this is a terrible terrible world and we hope desperately that someday this world is a brighter place.
0: Right. Well, I feel you guys. <laughs> uh, yeah, I actually posted that song the day that uh, our current president was elected. Yeah. Um, mm. I mean, but right before that song, uh, they have this discussion because Frollo comes to her and he's like, Look, you can you can leave this jail, we won't we won't kill you, but all you have to do is like be mine and he tries to essentially assault her. And it's and, and- it's about too like the the way you're phrasing it is is
1: exactly Correct because it's not just about having sex with her. It is about possessing her completely, right? It is about completely robbing her of agency of her own individuality. Uh, Yeah. And just possessing her completely. Yeah. Which is just a whole other bucket of horrific darkness on top of the
0: bucket of horrific darkness that is feeling entitled to her body. Right. And so she's having this conversation with uh, Plebis. Plebis. (laughs) Plebis. What is it? (laughs) Phoebus. Phoebus. Plebus. You're such a plebe. Um. Pleebus, who, by the
1: way, I feel like, and maybe this is the case in the movie as well. It's been too long since I've seen it. On the recording, I started, after a while, I started to think of Phoebus as nice Gaston.
0: (laughs) He kind of is, because the way that he comes into the scene he's like i'm i'm i am great and i'm going to have some sex i'm going to take this easy job and i'm going to have some sex <laughs> yeah. and you're like okay calm calm down bro and like but i mean ultimately it's to serve the fact that he's like changed his perspective when he meets esmeralda but like that is exactly who that guy is he is he's a nice guy um, cuz like the 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 second time that he meets um Esmeralda, he is at the like brothel where all the gypsies are hanging out and he's he's like bringing his buddy in and he's like, Yo, hey, uh, uh let's let's have some sex at this place.
1: Right. Uh I, I dig that tavern song by the way. Oh tavern song is I dope. dig it. Like that might have been like it's not the most emotionally powerful song on the album, but I feel like just as a song that I could listen to completely divorced from the context of the story. Yeah like that'd be the one. It's just is is fun and it's like it's a little bit like it's a little bit sexy and like mm-hmm. it's, I
0: don't know, I, I dig that song. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like Phoebus and Esmeralda are having this discussion in the jail because they get caught at, in the Court of Miracles and, and so he she's, she's basically saying that she refuses to give up her agency because uh, Phoebus is like, maybe you should just, like, maybe you should just give him what he wants so that you can live. And it's like, bro. I know. <laughs> but it's, she's no right and i get and it's in character yeah and you
1: know that he doesn't like he means well he's yeah. just a dunce because <laughs> it's like seriously it's like no dude that is a horrible horrible thing that you're suggesting yeah but he really is suggesting it because it might save her life. And I feel, I totally buy that in that moment, he's only thinking about how, what, how, what will save your life. Right. It's just that all he can come up with is this really awful thing that shouldn't be an option that anybody considers. Oh yeah.
0: No, not at all. The, like it should have been, how, how do we escape? Right. Like, how, how do, do we get out far away from this person? Right. Yeah. Um, but like that moment is, it, it like solidifies that, uh, that, Esmeralda has her own wants and desires and is like a fully fledged character that like ha- like, despite what Frollo and Quasimodo want like she has agency and she's never going to give that up. She would rather, she would literally rather die. And she did. Yeah. Um. By, by the on, way,
1: since we're talking about Esmeralda yeah. uh, shout out to Ciara Renee oh, yes. who I knew only as Hot Girl from Legends of Tomorrow before yeah. this. I had no idea that that
0: she did this. Oh yeah. And she's amazing. She is amazing. Her, her voice is like, she has such range. Um, especially like when, when you get to like God help the outcast. Yeah. Um, and just that moment when everyone's listing out what they want. And then she pops in with like the, I ask for nothing line. And it like still gives me chills to Mm -hmm. this moment just because it's so powerful. Um, and you would you would never know that because just before that she was a barista <laughs>
1: that's a very specific DC on CW (laughs) joke.
0: That was for, that was for maybe 5% of this audience. Yes. You're welcome. Yeah. I I mean, but those, them, I'm imagining all of them having drinking something at that moment and spitting it out in laughter.
1: I'm going to, I'm going to immediately make the joke less funny by explaining it to the people that don't get it. (laughs) Uh,
0: When they introduced the character of Faco. So the DC
1: comics, TV shows on CW, they all cross over with each other. Like the Marvel movies do Uh, before legends of tomorrow they introduced this character on the flash and when she started manifesting her powers she really kept hitting this note over and over and over again about like i can't have this greater destiny just last week i was a barista and it felt like every not just every other episode every other scene that featured this character for quite some time featured a reference
0: to the fact that just moments ago she was a barista yep who who would know that who who would have even known that she would would have ultimately led to the deaths of four people (laughs) oh man
1: uh, um uh, hawk powers um bird, I, bird people with I, wings and funky helmets and um and a mace <laughs> yeah. oh As as, that Esmeralda would have lived. Oh, she she definitely would (laughs) have. Can you imagine? Let's let's stage a production, and it's exactly the same musical, and we'll invite everybody involved with the show who can come. Yeah. And at the end of the show, the one the one artistic license that we that we take is when. Frollo is burning her. All of a sudden, she busts out her wings and just grand theft autos the helmet and mace out of nowhere, (laughs) kills the shit out of Frollo, liberates everybody in in oppressed circumstances, and we all rise together in the earth. The earth becomes a utopia because uh, Esmeralda of Thanagar saved us all.
0: (laughs) I would watch that so much think about
1: think about how complex the staging for it would have to be no it'd be like have you seen wicked yes so you know how at the end of i'm just like yeah i, I like musical theater y'all this is something we've never talked about on the show but yes um so you know in uh defying gravity yeah. when she goes up on the
0: wires uh-huh it'd be like that i guess oh yeah totally yeah yeah. yeah 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 um no i i see it um and then the last thing she she like looks down and Looks at each audience member in the eyes and goes, "Someday is today." And then, like her, her wings flap. A giant wind sweeps across the theater. And, like you hear and a, a rumble. Down.
1: You just hear like a big rumble, yeah. like the biggest, most sustained thunder and the biggest, most sustained earthquake that you've ever heard. Simultaneously, black curtain call. Hell yeah! It's so good. <laughs> It'll run for thirty
0: years. Ah, uh, yep. I, I, I. If I were involved in the original, like, Hunchback of Notre Dame, and this made it to Broadway, I would be pissed. <laughs> so mad.
1: <laughs> but like, what if you got a little piece of it?
0: What, right, if, what if it? what
1: if it made more money than Avengers: Infinity War, and you still got a little piece of it?
0: I don't know. I, I, I think I'd no. I'd still be. I'd still be a little bitter. <laughs> You'd just I'd, be like. This isn't my ending. <laughs> <laughs> oh jeez, um, I want to do a quick like rattle off of things I really liked about the production. Yeah, do it. Um, one, there were an assortment of slow motion scenes that uh, I really liked the way that they did the production for. So there's the moment the the like this girl who is she um, when Esmeralda's doing her first dance. Um, they she basically. Like, sleight of hand switches out her regular, um, handkerchiefs for, uh, handkerchiefs that are basically, like, frozen, like, they're basically just, um, how do I describe it? They're, they look like they are in motion. Okay. So she's, like, slowly spinning around. And you can see it looks like she is frozen in, in space while all the guys are going, this girl, who is she? I want you um, guys to
1: know because you can't see us that Tari's doing some some performance on the other side of this table oh, to yeah. indicate what he's referring to. And like I
0: wish you guys could see it. you're missing quite a show. I mean, it's it's super, it's cool because it's it's like a little thing. Like she could essentially just be, like, spinning in slow motion, but, like, her things would be dangling. But the fact that they had the forethought of making them static um, while she's spinning it really gives the uh, illusion of slow motion. And they do it again during the Tavern song, like, while Frollo is watching this dance go on, and he's like, I have such a boner. <laughs> um, that's, that's. I mean, he's, he's saying other lyrics, but pretty much that's that's it. Um Uh, Also, I really liked all of the saints. Um, So like in the movie, they had the three gargoyles. Uh, Victor,
1: Hugo, ha ha ha. And Laverne, (laughs) for
0: whatever reason. Because, you know,
1: why not? And in the the original German production of this same show, there were versions of these characters included, right? But they were a little less whimsical and comedic, and their names were changed. And I forget the names off the top of my head, but I believe they were references to uh, multiple actors that have played Quasimodo. Yeah. Going back to I think one of them is Lonnie or something and I could be way off the mark but I I would guess if that's the case I would guess that's a reference to Lon Chaney who Ooh. played hunchback of Notre Dame in the original silent production Got it that makes sense that, Again I'm, I'm total guess
0: Yeah um but yes the the saints were really uh they were fun I liked their use as Quasimodo's sounding board um, because like, the- oh yes, I, I, cut myself off though. Like they, they're dropped entirely basically
1: for the, the English. Production. Oh yeah. Like, there's no, right. There's gargoyles. a version is present in the German one. And then in the English one, yeah, they don't exist. Yeah. But like di- statues and parts of the cathedral will still communicate with him. Yes.
0: Um, and so there's a, a very specific, um, part in flight uh flight into egypt where he's talking about saint aphrodisius um which is a like earlier in the play or in the musical um he gets the story about saint aphrodisius from uh frollo uh and it's it's this running gag where he can't remember what his name is um and so in the production in the stage production um they reveal him as like it's a stained glass window and the actor's face is in the stained glass and he's going, Saint Aphrodisius, and then they open it up and he is essentially they have like a a practical beheaded uh behead uh setup. So it's like they raise the shoulders of his garb and it's him holding his own head because he was beheaded okay. by the mob. Cool. Um and so like he's singing this way. So it looks and then like he like pops it back up. Oh, cool. And yeah. then it lowers? Yeah. It, yeah. Okay. It's so it's really it's like a really cute, well done thing. Um but it, and it's it's done completely for laughs. But it's it's uh I I really loved that piece. Mm. Um that's just uh what else? Oh, a place of miracles. Um just the way that they lit it. Um because essentially the way that it starts is everyone is on pretty equal spotlighting where you have um, Phoebus talking to um, talking to Esmeralda because Phoebus wants to go with the gypsies because they're leaving. Um, And then as Quasimodo realizes that, that Esmeralda is in love with Phoebus as they're singing together, his lighting gets darker and theirs gets brighter. Okay, Um, And so like, you have him, because in that moment, you have the amazing, like, um, t- not duet, but tr- triplet. I don't know how do you describe the three people singing all at once. Um, but You're doing it right now. Yeah. You have the triplet. With these hand um, gestures as <laughs> if you're, like,
1: cradling a giant orb.
0: <laughs> yeah. That's how I view things, through my giant,
1: magical orb. Oh, you talk, by the way, though, about people singing, uh, you know, three parts, right? But, like, th- there are some, like... There, there are some harmonies in this uh, show that I, I, I'm at a loss to describe in any way other than blissful. Yeah, which sounds like goofy, I guess, but like that's that's the best word I can come up with to describe
0: some of these sweet, sweet sounds. I mean, no, they're really well. So, like, here's the the that 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 specifically, um, in terms of the way that they construct the music, is that like there's a lot of narrative that they need to get across, and so the way that they use um, all their different actors to, to one, harmonize between the different perspectives, but also the way that they tell the story, um, having a part of it being told by one person, and then another person jumps in and will tell their part. Just like Specifically, let's take the fu- the finale, for example, where you're getting the scene where all of the soldiers are trying to bust into Notre Dame and you have someone being like, the soldiers grabbed the piece. And then you're like, and then another person will come onto the stage and essentially be like, Quasimodo grabbed the the lead. And so like, it's and then all somebody this else comes to- out on
1: stage and is like, this isn't where the bathroom is. Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then the other actors have to deal with it. Right. <laughs> and then they just start using it in the middle of the stage, and they're like, "Found the trap door. Don't worry about <laughs> it." Pushing me, <laughs> um, but like it—it's a, a really clever and uh, uh, interesting way of keeping people engaged in you kind of pushing the story forward by having it tone told through these different versions. It's almost like communal storytelling, and that like you have this. Beginning and end told by Cl- uh, Klopen, um, which you, if you want to view it through the through his eyes, um, or through that framing mechanism, it could also be a way of him sharing this story that he was a part of from beginning to end with the other gypsies. So, like this whole story is taking place through Clopin's eyes um, to the next generation, telling them about Notre Dame, a place he once visited. Yeah. Which is awesome, I think. It is.
1: Speaking of Clopin too, like, it really has been probably at least 15 years since I saw the movie. But despite that, uh, t- Topsy Turvy will occasionally just weave its way into my head. And, like, over the past decade and a half, I, that song still, randomly, I won't be thinking about Hunchback at all. And, like, the the like brass is gold and weeds are a bouquet will suddenly be in my head. <laughs> and I'll
0: be like, all right, this is what Going Mad feels like, I guess. Yeah. Um... I uh, shout out to Eric Lieberman, who plays Klopin in the uh, cast recording and in the original um, off-Broadway production. He uh, his one, his voice is very similar to the one in the movie, which yes. I really liked, um, but also his performance is very whimsical very well done like every so often kind of like with you and topsy turvy the the lines hail to the king will will like pop into my brain bro you like that actually sounded pretty full like that sounded pretty good <laughs> oh uh, thank you, you can maybe you can maybe vocalize oh, a little bit oh my god when is but, our album coming out um I'm dropping a new album this september Beep. Be be prepared to buy it. It's a
1: really big tonal shift.
0: <laughs> I mean, ooh, come buy our album in September.
1: Still, v- real big weird tonal Damn, shift. Damn, I don't know. I don't know, man.
0: Um, so we're who's, running short on time. It's going to be a folk duo. <laughs> uh, I'm not. Uh, I'm not a folk guy. I'm all about ballads, baby. Ooh Be stone Ooh g- 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 Place of miracles Ooh what? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening Are you
1: like Is your appendix Bursting what's happening
0: <laughs> Oh man um, Is there We're running short on time Is there anything that you wanted to chat about before we headed out
1: Uh, I dig it Uh, I miss I miss musicals honestly like I feel like I have no idea like right around when um next to normal was running on Broadway yeah that was about the last time I had any clue what was going on in the world of musical theater and that was a while ago now yeah uh I I miss it. I'm curious about like that. Obviously, Hamilton. But like Hamilton is like a a bizarre anomaly in that it's it's was just one of those things that comes along like once in a generation. Maybe that was just so massive. This is a massive crossover thing. Yeah. But Hamilton aside. Yeah. Like next to normal was probably the last the last time. So now I feel a little bit a little bit. uh, uh, God, what's the word? Uh, Starts with a V. Not vindicated. Uh, Valorized. No
0: validated
1: no um galvanized that doesn't galvanized. start with a v but it has a, a it has B a v in, in it yeah uh stupid um <laughs> but like i feel a little bit more galvanized to like go back and jump in and try and see like what are the big ones that i've i've missed
0: yeah um yeah i feel like um there are when when fringe festival comes through um it's it's usually once a year here in la Um, there are a lot of just like small, dumb, not dumb, but like a lot of small, like one time only you're looking for is whimsical. Oh yes. A lot of small, whimsical, um, one time only like productions of different musicals. So like, um, this was not part of the fringe festival, but the, um, oh shit. Oh, reanimator musical. Um, it was a musical based off of the movie Reanimator, right? Which was like a, a cult classic. You
1: guys can't see what my face just did. I just like as soon as Tari said Reanimator musical, my face just like scrunched into this oh, yeah. like bewildered, like what is this magic? And then how how have I been sleeping on this, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? Yeah, it was great. I bet. Um, Shit, it doesn't even but...
0: have to be staged well. Just Reanimator musical. Where do I buy a ticket? <laughs> um two years ago shit three years ago actually um no. i know no. i keep i keep going on their website to see if they're going to do another one so like is if they a, do can you get a is there a soundtrack recording not yet son of a bitch um they were they started a like a patreon or go find to, a, a, to why you to gotta torture me by telling me this thing exists when i have no way to experience it well that's the thing is what i'm what i'm getting at is that like i think that if anything if especially if you're craving musicals and things of that sort like i think that this it's it would be behoove us to like start kind of seeking those out and you guys in the audience to like really start checking those things out because a lot of really great musicals um like a lot of great musicals don't make it to broadway but like they're still amazing
1: yeah like don't don't get confused just because something doesn't run on Broadway for an extended period doesn't it's not indicative of a lack of quality
0: yeah and so I, th- I feel like especially well, I mean it might get... it might
1: be but it's not necessarily
0: <laughs> yeah um, not mutually exclusive <laughs> right. Um, but like I think that especially knowing how great this musical is and knowing that like it was such a, sh- a short run just like a couple years um, but like ha- knowing that it was such a gym and I think that that should be kind of a, a good case study in that, like people should support small theater and really like go check out these things that people have poured years of their lives into and, and, and uh, really take t- t- took a shot on mm-hmm. um, because it's, it's these things that like you will be able to experience that like, may never happen again but like having that experience enriches your life yes and i i i really think that that's if if you take nothing away from this this podcast it should be that support 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 live theater
1: yeah any straight plays count bro like like anything like support live theater because there really isn't like if you're not a big theater person and you don't understand like when people who love theater talk about how there really isn't anything like it. You can't compare it to any other experience. You can you can feel you can feel it in a way that you you I feel like you can't feel any other media. Like I'll get very emotionally involved in movies I watch. Yeah, but it is not the same as being there in the. In the room w- where it happened. Shut yes. up. Sh- sh- shut up. Don't make that face <laughs> at me. Uh, by the way, as soon as you said, like, take a shot on that, my brain went to Hamilton. Yep. And then I started to, like, do calculations in my head. And I'm like, okay, Qu- Quasimodo's just like his sanctuary. He's young, scrappy, and hanktuary. I don't It's not. <laughs> d- 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 fuck off. It's not a word. All words are made up. Yeah. Um, but uh, thoughts, thoughts. Where did my brain go? What was but, I talking about? Um, oh, supporting, there's, there's yeah. no substitute for being in that room and feeling the energy, not just from the the performers on stage, but from the audience, because everybody is aware, even if they're not actively thinking about it, this is live, this is happening right in front of us, there are no second takes, anything can go wrong, and when nothing goes wrong, it is truly staggering, because if you're staging an elaborate musical, any number of things. So a piece of the set could just could just drop. Uh somebody doesn't quite land a dance move exactly right and they twist their ankle in the middle of a show. Somebody drops a line, whatever 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 and they have to deal with it. Yeah. When it all goes smoothly, to me it is one of the most impressive magic tricks that there is. Yeah. On top of of course it it is so I feel like it's emotionally resonant as as just listening to the soundtrack album is even if you do have an idea of how the staging functions. It's the the power of being in the room. I apologize if it sounds hokey, but like the power of being in the room and feeling the story being told to you mm-hmm. the, yeah there's nothing like it and then of course the music the the live you're hearing live music as well and these people singing and like the like the raw vulnerability and raw emotion of it there re- and yes you can hear some of that on the recording that's not the same as seeing seeing that person put pour every bit of themselves
0: emotionally into doing it but yeah there's nothing like it yeah and just to like like piggyback off of that the thing that impresses me the most about theater as well is just the amount of ingenuity that goes into it like you we we've talked about how like movies like jaws and um like alien and things like that like basically are better movies because of the things that they had to do to supplement um for issues that they were having essentially necessity being the mother of invention right and that i feel like you get the best examples and the the like the pinnacle of that is theater because they essentially start with a a blank stage and have to make that into up to let's say 30 different environments or they have to find ways of conveying a like a hundred years of storytelling into that one small space it's not like television or movies where they can go on on scene and they can take a bunch of different um they can do a bunch of different takes they they have to coordinate that and and essentially flawlessly and seamlessly go from scene to, scene to scene to scene to scene from beginning to end in that 2 to 3 hour time period um without um without making a mistake or or without um you know messing up in any way shape or form and if they do they just adapt Um, Someone was telling me about one time when they were doing a play and it literally started leaking from the ceiling and part and they uh, their scene partner didn't miss a beat. They just walked over, grabbed a bucket and made it a part of the scene.
1: Oh, I was doing a play a couple of years ago and in the middle of the play, there was an earthquake and the, the actors were on stage. Like I actually, it was not a scene that I was in, yeah. um, but I was, I was right off stage and I watched uh, the actor. It was, it was a scene where he was talking about how like the, their son, one of their sons can be just a very volatile personality. And right in the middle of that line, the whole theater starts shaking. And of course it's like, okay, how severe is this? Do we got to stop the show right now? Is there people running for the doors? No, it's just, they all felt the building shake. Yeah. It settled down. And he goes, it's kind of like that, and then we just kept rolling on with the show. And I was like, I really, I literally, I almost wanted to run on stage in
0: that moment and hug him. I was like, yeah.
1: that's fucking professionalism. Holy
0: shit! Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, oh man, guys, go see a play for real. If you don't, if you do nothing else this year, like something I like to do is like for resolutions, as like much or as little as people believe in those, is like I make a I make a declaration to see some form of artwork. Um, whether it be going to a museum, going to a play, going to a musical, something to that effect. And like, if you haven't done it this year, just go see a play. It's easy. They're pretty cheap. Um, support local theater. Yeah,
1: and we don't we don't mean you have to go see a massive elaborate show at the Pantages. Those tickets can be pretty pricey. There are a lot of smaller venues where you can check out really powerful theater. You do have to look for them a little bit because yeah. they don't have banners flying all over town like the Pantages does, for example, in, in L.A. Wherever you happen to be, uh, yes, there are big venues that might be a little cost prohibitive for some folks, but if you look... You will find some smaller venues that are in, in greater need of support as well. And and so many uh, actors and uh, production personnel and, and creative people, writers, directors, everybody across the board uh, doing some really powerful work that's deserving of attention. So, yes, absolutely. Go. Go. Check out and support live theater.
0: Yeah. Um, all right. So, I think I'm going to wrap this baby up. I—
1: uh, Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm ready to crawl down into the catacombs with your dead body and wait to die. Aw, oh,
0: yeah. They're <laughs> going to find two sets of bones, and then no one's going to know whose is who. They're like,
1: why are these microphones here?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um... Well, uh, if you haven't done so again, make sure that you subscribe. We are on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Store, Anchor. Um, everywhere podcasts are sold, which is for free. But if you would like to contribute to this show, you can leave us a comment and give us a, a five-star rating if you love what we're doing. Um, and we read them here on this show. So, uh, you know, if that's any incentive for you do that that Um, makes
1: you just a little bit more famous than you would have been otherwise it's true you got Uh, that you got that missing out bump
0: (laughs) but if you just want to chat with us make sure that you go and follow our twitter which is missing outcast that's m-i-s-s-i-n-g-o-u-t-c-a-s-t but if you hate either one of us uh and just want to have a personal conversation with the other um you can find us uh on our personal twitters
1: Yes, if you really hate Tari's guts and you want to low-key let me know, I'm uh, all over social media at the Lex Michael.
0: And if you totally hate Tari's guts and you want to tell him <laughs> about it, you follow him at uh-huh. Tari J, T A U R I J A Y. Yeah, oh, really like dig in, really just, like go for the just throat, Just like let both baby. of us know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Tell, tell tell him he's so handsome and it makes you jealous and that's why you hate him
1: he's so those dulcet tones of nobody should be that perfect it's true It's infuriating oh man i hear he's also really really giving (laughs)
0: um yeah uh and uh, i
1: I too am extraordinarily humble
0: (laughs) totally yeah 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 and unlike dj khaled he goes down baby he Uh, goes down We we
1: live in a world where Smash Mouth Owned DJ Khaled on Twitter (laughs) And I don't know what to make of that I don't know what timeline that fell out of Uh, Oh jeez
0: But once again, thank you guys for joining us Um, We'll see you next No, don't do it Week